Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilting. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Taddick. Today on the podcast, we're talking about creative diversions. Our guest is the incomparable Tula Pink. And because she designs fabric, quilt patterns, writes books, creates sewing notions like scissors, and now has designed two special edition sewing machines for Bernina, I thought Lori Ginger and I could discuss what we would have on our machine if we were given the opportunity to design one ourselves. And finally, in our Fine Finishes segment, we discuss our own creative diversions in quilting. So welcome, ladies. How are you today? Good. Doing good. good. Yeah, excited. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind of an exciting show today. So, all right. So if you were able to design your own sewing machine, what would be the features that you would include? Lori? Well, primarily, I'm a quilter, but I'm also a garment seamstress. So good buttonholes are important. Mm Mm-hmm. I applique a lot, so I want a really pretty blanket stitch. I want it to be adjustable. I want a needle up, needle down feature. I want to press her foot up without having to touch it. (laughs) And here's the biggie. Uh I want a bobbin that holds the same amount of thread as the spool holds (laughs) so I can buy two spools of thread and be done. Oh, my gosh. Why haven't they done that yet? I don't know. I've been saying that for years. Bernina has a really nice, big, juicy bobbin, and so it it really spoils you when you get used to it. What about you, Ginger? Well, to me, anything, because I have a really basic machine. So for me, I'm still learning all the ins and outs and this and that. But I'm going to be really bold and say, I want like an Alexa machine where I can just literally talk to it. And I can (laughs) say, you know, and then if I have issues, it'll get customer service on the phone for me. And then I can just talk to them directly. And I mean, I'm going full space age here. This (laughs) is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because um, (laughs) at one point at my house, we had... Not only my um, my Bernina embroidery machine, which in my kids' eyes was magical because they would walk in. Well, and we would also had a 3D printer at one point. So you'd walk into the house and the sewing machine would be stitching and the 3D printer would be printing and nobody would be in the room with it. And so my Technology. kids always joked <laughs> that, that we, they lived in a Harry Potter house. <laughs> so. I have a better story than that. Oh, do you? I was working for Foff, and I had multiple embroidery machines. And unfortunately, I have a tendency to kind of procrastinate. (laughs) So it was getting very close to Christmas, and I wasn't ready. And I had three embroidery machines set up around my dining room table. I had all three of them running, and I was in the kitchen cooking dinner when my husband came home. He's like, well, you're working real hard. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, Lori, I don't like to call it procrastination. I just like to say that we thrive on deadlines. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) I'll have to write that down. Yes. So if I were to have a machine, I would want it to have embroidery. And I would – so there are the things that I love. I love the big bobbin. I love having scissors built in. I love when I 
take my foot off the pedal and the the foot hovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I love needle up, needle down. Mm-hmm. I like speed control because mm-hmm. sometimes I want to go fast and sometimes I want it to be really slow so I can be super precise. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would want on my machine. And, and you know, knowing that tool is going to be on, I think I could have some fun with some decorative stitches as well. Well, and I'm thinking just decorated machine, too. And I have to admit, oh, yeah. I'm one of those, like, my machine is really pretty. And that's why one of the reasons why I bought it. And I know it's, it has nothing to do with the way that it is or anything like that. But it's neat. It's got to look good. Yeah. And it, it, I when agree. I see it sitting over there and it's so darn cute, I just want to go over to it and play with it. So, I'm you know, that, you. It, it, it helps. gives me incentive. When <laughs> I first started going to market, there was a booth that had a metallic purple singer featherweight. Oh. I, mm-hmm. I drooled. Mm-hmm. I still drool thinking about that machine. It was gorgeous. He, they said it was actually automotive paint. Yes. I know it exactly the booth you're talking about. At the end of the day, we're all just girls. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know. I know. All right. Well, why don't we go and talk to Tula now? Well, our guest today needs no introductions in the quilting community. If you're a quilter, you know her name and, of course, her fabric. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to welcome the talented Tula Pink to the show. Welcome, Yay, Tula. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Well, we are super excited to have you as part of the show today. Um, Bernina is our sponsor. And so, Woo! you know, we're our listeners are going to be hearing about you for this entire season. So <laughs> we I figured we'd start by talking about your new sewing machine. And my question for you is, what is it like to be able to design a special edition sewing machine? Um, It's pretty wild, actually. You know, it's kind of funny. Like, if I go all the way back to, gosh, I want to say almost 10 years ago to when I first approached Bernina about working with them. Um, I was waiting for them to come to me, but they weren't. So I just (laughs) got impatient and went to them. Um, And originally, when I pitched... I basically put together a presentation that was like, this is why I should work with Bernina. Cause I sewed on a Bernina. I was a loyalist already. It was like, let's make this relationship more concrete in some way. And um, I originally pitched to them a special edition to the pink machine. And they were just like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> and um, cause they weren't really doing that mm-hmm. so much at that time with specific designers and um, and I brought it up every single time, every year that we sat in a meeting. I was like, you know, it'd be really cool is if there was a tuliping <laughs> sewing machine. They're like, oh, that's precious. Thank you for your ideas. <laughs> and um, I love you know, it. and then at a certain point, they well, they finally they came to me and they said, you know, we're going to have a contest to design a machine. And I was like, seriously, I've been badgering you for this for like mm-hmm. these many years. And, and then they let everybody else in. For it. <laughs> and I was Jeez. like, fine. And I, I immediately went to my brother, who's sort of my right hand, Cameron. And I was like, okay, Bernina is finally giving us a shot at a special edition machine. But they, they're making us compete for it in a Facebook contest. And I was like, listen, <laughs> we cannot lose this. Like... <laughs> for anything so we like came up with plans anyway so we won the Facebook contest along with Ricky Timms which was super exciting 
And they're like, there you go. You finally got your machine. I was like, no, 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 no. This was the test run <laughs> with the real machine that's going to come later. This is our proof of concept machine. And they were like, oh, you're so cute. And, you know, and so that machine did really well. And so I, again, started hounding them, like, all over again for, okay, when were we going to do the next one? Here's my ideas for this one. Here's my ideas for this one. And finally, they're like, I think the only way we're going to shut this girl up is if we just give her her own machine without a <laughs> Facebook contest. And little do they know, they've just given me more energy to keep coming to them every year from here on out. No, right. <laughs> until I have my own line of machines. Um, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I interface with my sewing machine like six hours every day. So being able to sit at a machine that's your own design with your own name on it i mean it doesn't get much better than that nothing. yeah <laughs> there's i mean it's like i could i could die pretty happy at this point it's it's pretty amazing so do you get to on this one i know on on the newest ones you actually designed stitches to go yes. with them as well as embroidery designs. Yes. And so what are the features that absolutely must be on a Tula machine? Well, so a couple of things I, we talked a lot about how to make this special, you know, the first machine we did was a faceplate design, which is great, but I've done that. Now I want to do something else, mm-hmm. you know? And so this time I said, what else can we do to the machine? So we actually, um, took the the coating that we use for all my hardware, that sort of iridescent oil slick coating, mm-hmm. and coated all the metal bits on the machine in that iridescent coating. So instead of seeing a big silver throat plate and thread cover, it's all this like real iridescent sort of rainbowy oil slick purpley color. It's really cool. And um, and then. I was like, okay, well, now we've decorated the machine. We put polka dots on the faceplate. We coated all the metal. Now what about inside the machine? And they're like, <laughs> gosh, this girl is relentless. And, uh, <laughs> but, Have you they know, met you? Like, <laughs> yeah, right? I know. It's like, seriously, you guys have been working for me with me for a decade. You should know better. Um, you give me an inch, I take a mile. But, um, you know, and but actually what was really cool was working with the Bernina production people. They were excited, I think, as – like just to have ideas thrown at them because they're real. The production people at Bernina headquarters international are really interested in solving problems. And so my job is to come up with things that I think would be really cool. And then their job is to figure out if or how that can work, Um, which is a perfect ideal relationship for me. I wish I could find that in like a real life romantic relationship, but (laughs) (laughs) but, um, So I was like, you know, what if like we've got this nine millimeter width on the stitch width, you know, which is is pretty epic for a stitch width. Nine millimeters Mm -hmm. is a lot. It is a lot. And so I was like, what can we do in that space? So we took a whole bunch of designs and my designs are inherently complicated. So getting them down to something that you could actually fit into nine millimeters is tricky at best. But (laughs) Um, and I wanted there to be really useful ones, but also anybody who knows me really well, I wanted there to be really funny things in there too. Cause for me, like if it's not funny, if it doesn't make you laugh, like what is really the point? So there's really cute, beautiful stitches. There's cats and raccoons and birds and 
you know, that actually stitch out and decorative stitches. But then there's bananas and <laughs> hot food cans. And it was like I had to give them two like beautiful mainstream things for every one funny thing that I wanted. So it's a real <laughs> like give and take relationship. But um, the two machines we designed, the five seven, the B570 and the B770 are the two machines I use the most. So I travel with my 570 and my 770 stays in my studio. And, um, you know, so it was a real opportunity to say like, this is my machine. This is actually probably my most favorite machine that's ever been made in the history of sewing machines. So that's what I want to put my name on. Um, and they said, okay. And I just didn't argue after that. So (laughs) (laughs) I just took it and ran with it. That's amazing. I, 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 that makes me laugh inside, you know, because I know like how, how fun. And I think, I think if you don't get the humor when you look at your beautiful, elaborate fabric, if you don't it's, notice the little bits, it's like little, you know, Easter eggs that you would. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm a sci fi kid. So, like, I love a hidden thing, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I love that thing that you only know if you're like into the culture. Right. Right. It's a lot of what I put into my work. So it's like if you're a tuliping fan, I think there's a lot more things in the fabric than there are for people who aren't because they see references to other fabrics or, you know, if they get my sense of humor, you know, like always read the name of the fabric. That's usually where I get super quirky is <laughs> in the fabric names. But, um, you know, there's there's always something more there. And with this machine, that's the same thing. You know, here's your sewing machine. It's a B770 or 570, either one. Um, but then there's all these other things inside of it that you're not used to seeing in a special special edition machine, like the decorative stitches that only come on the machine. They'll never be an update to mm-hmm. another machine. Um, I also wanted something that where if you had this machine, you wouldn't have to be carrying the machine to let people know that you have it. So if you have these decorative stitches on a project, people know you've used this machine right, and you got have it. To carry it around with you for people to know, right? So it's <laughs> it's sort of like a secret handshake amongst uh, tulip pink machine owners. Nice. And is this a scenario too where the technology actually kind of worked out timing wise now too? Because yeah. ten years ago you probably wouldn't have been able to do right. those stitches. So right. that's kind of a cool thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're always coming up with new stuff, and I'm always looking for ways to exploit that. <laughs> that's great. All right, so let's sort of backtrack to fabric design because we we decided that we were going to be discussing during this episode all about creative diversions. And mm. and so when did you know you wanted to design fabric? Um I there's actually like a specific moment. Um Really? Um cool. yeah. Um and it goes back to I think this would be true for a lot of people that sort of got into quilting when I did, but the first time I saw I walked into my local quilt shop which was in Carpinteria, California, and they had in the very center of the room two brand new fabric designers, Kay Fassett and Amy Butler. And it was Amy's first line. Um, And it was the first time I actually realized that a person designs fabric. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, Mm -hmm. Because before that, all I'd ever really seen were reproductions and, 
you know, sort of mimicking a time past mm-hmm. or reproducing a floral in a new color, whatever it was. But you looked at those two fabric lines and it was so clear to me that there was a human being that sat down and said, this is what I want it to look like. And it, and it was the first time it had ever occurred to me that a person designed fabric. And right at that moment, I said, well, that's what I have to do. Well, and it's a person um, with a point of view, too. Because yeah. Amy definitely has it a point of so view. So does Cave. Yeah. Yeah. You can walk into a shop and see Cave or Amy's mm-hmm. fabric and, and know no. them from across the room. And that was so powerful to me. I wanted to be a part of that narrative. Like I wanted people, I wanted to be included in that group of names. Mm. So um, what were you doing at the time career-wise? At the time, I was actually an art director in the music industry. So I was designing for like all kinds. I mean, and this was uh, now like almost 15 years ago. So if I start listing my clients, it really dates me quite a bit. (laughs) That's okay. Do it. Do it. But like (laughs) Britney Spears and Mm -hmm. Snoop Dogg. And I mean, we really ran the gamut. Um, Yeah, timeless. Uh, Megadeth. (laughs) Lincoln Park, you know, like, <laughs> yes. I, I mean, it was a mm-hmm. real, like, we had over 370 clients, so, and of all music genres, and, uh, yeah, And you were so designing albums? Um, album covers, mm-hmm. merchandise, essentially what I did as the art director was I set the style guide for whatever, like, when an artist releases an album, there's a whole bunch of things that go with it, and all those things have to connect, which is interestingly a lot like building a fabric collection. They all have to connect, but be for unique uses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I use a lot of what I learned art directing in that industry in art directing my own brand and fabric collections. Because um, you have to, you know, it's like, okay, these are all the images we're using. These are all the fonts we're using. These are the colors. It was essentially the like primer for what everything related to this album and its tour were going to look like no matter what city what country where it was being sold or where the concert was happening everything came from this initial style guide that my team and I set for the release interesting so do you have a tulip pink style guide uh yeah well kind of it's not as formal as mm-hmm. like I used to make binders like right. I was <laughs> Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec um yeah, yeah. But in my actual life, no, because it's all me. Right. So, like, I am my style guy. (laughs) (laughs) If you Um, like it, it's good. Yeah. I mean, that's really sort of my parameters is I'm designing. I am genuinely an avid consumer of this industry. I get really excited when new designers release new stuff. And, you know, like, I'm running around sample spree, too, grabbing Mm -hmm. stuff at Quilt Market. And, oh, my gosh, what's this designer's new line look like, you know? And um, and collecting and I hoard also like I have stuff I won't cut, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, all of that stuff. My mom and I argue over fabric all the time. Like, you know, you need to give me that. I'm a bigger fan of hers. Whatever. (laughs) uh, She could buy her own. (laughs) Right. Well, sometimes I find little gems in her stash that I feel like deserve to be mine. But um, (laughs) I'm genuinely designing for myself. Um, you know, and, and hoping that people want the same things that I want, you know, so I'm looking at I'm making a quilt. And I'm like, you know, what I really wish I had for this quilt is this and I'll put that in my next line. And um, I'm designing I'm using myself genuinely as a template. 
Well, one of the things I think you're amazing at, too, is you've been able to stay really true to yourself and consistently true to yourself. You know, what advice do you give to people that are trying to start out that might be swayed to like, oh, I want to fit in over here. I want to fit over there. How do you stay true to yourself? Um, You know, it's not that hard (laughs) because of, uh, I mean, it was in the beginning. And, you know, there's actually, I have a pinpointed story for this topic as well. Um, But, you know, there was a point in my career where I had done about four or five lines and no one was buying them. Like, you know, I wasn't making any money. I was working at my mom's quilt shop on the side to make rent, like, you know, trying to figure this out. And, you know, and I got to a point and I was really listening to the people who were telling me what I was being heavily art directed at the time, but willingly, you know, because I didn't know Mm -hmm. what I was doing. And it's not like my degree is in fabric design for quilting. I didn't know. I was just trying to make my the best choices I can make and um, and taking in a lot of advice. And it was great advice. I mean, from people who really know what they're doing. And um, I wasn't making any money. Uh, this was never anything that I was going to be able to rely on for my sole income. And, you know, I sat down and I thought, you know, I need to give this one more shot before I have to move on and do other things because I had left a really lucrative career to to a really a lot of nothing. And my savings from my previous job was getting low. So I needed to make some real decisions. And I thought, you know, I just need to do one line that is pedal to the metal the whole way, like give it like 100% me. And then at least if I walk away, I know that I've given it 100% mm-hmm. and I'll have no regrets, right? Right. You know? And that line was Parisville. Oh, my gosh. Um, An iconic line for you. Right. It was. It changed. That was the line that changed Mm -hmm. everything. And, you know, I was like, I'm just going to do it big. It's going to be weird. It's going to have a lot of color in it. And it's going to be 100% my ideal fabric collection. And everything, no holding back, you know, no watering down, no holding back, 100% tulip pink. And I put that on the market, and it was my first big success. Nice. And, Everybody was waiting for you to be you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's what I learned in that is that, um, you know, I figured I had two paths I could potentially take. I could either go 100% into my own weirdness and just do me or I can completely water down and give the market what it wanted. And I was like, you know, I don't know that I'd ever be totally happy doing that. That's what I did in my music career was gave other people what they wanted. And this was supposed to be more about, you know, doing something creative and artistic. And um, and so I decided to go the other way and I'm so glad I did. And ever since then, it's been nothing but good and so that moment was a real eye-opener and I said I would never not trust myself again after that you know because it could have happened a lot that (laughs) that gives me goosebumps because I remember when that line hit and that was that was when I noticed who you were right now yeah well that's because it was the first time I had shown you who I was you know I mean that line if you really pick that thing apart that is weird (laughs) (laughs) weird stuff in there there's like a girl's hair in the shape of a lion like (laughs) your face that looks like a troll doll there's mice in it there's I mean it's a really really funky fabric line 
And that was the first one that really took off for me. Yeah, but that's when you got all your, all of us weirdos were <laughs> yep. like, ooh. <laughs> threw them in. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, that's kind of what I discovered through that process mm-hmm. is like, I'm not that weird. Like, there's a lot of people who are in this category. You're just not alone. Me. I'm not alone. No. Exactly. And, you know, ever since then, I've just that's always been my mantra is like be as true as I possibly can to who I am and what I'm into because the more I do that the more people I think feel like they've found a home within my community Mm -hmm. you know it's like there's some of us out there that want a little something more that want to laugh you know like laughter is my main thing it's my favorite thing it's the best thing and you know my fabric's pretty weird and it's pretty funny if you if you give it, <laughs> it if you give it a minute yeah yeah well that's amazing i i just i'm i'm i want to leave on that note because i think i think if that's a, such a strong message for all of our listeners and and if it resonates with me i feel like other people it will resonate with Definitely. that if you're just true to yourself and follow what's in your heart everything else will just unfold I think it's totally true. I mean, I live my life by it. That is wonderful. Tula, thank you so much for joining us today. We were yeah, we were so excited to, that you were going to be part of the show. And um, it's just been a true pleasure. Oh, thank you. Nice to talk to y'all. So for our final portion, we're going to talk about creative diversions. Kind of how we got to where we're at. Mm. It was fun talking to Tula and finding out that she came from the music industry and decided she wanted to start designing fabric. That's kind of a leap. Tracy, Mm -hmm. how did you get here? Ooh, okay. So I've always been very creative, but I was always in performing arts. And so I... While my mother and my sister both sewed, they made garments. They, there were no quilters in my family. My grandmother crocheted. Um, so I, I remember very quickly after becoming a quilter, being completely obsessed with all quilting media. I loved all the magazines. I loved all of the books. And I lear- basically learned to quilt by watching quilters on TV like you know Eleanor Burns and and Kay Woods who actually just passed away and and um, and when Simply Quilts came along that was a big one for me and I watched it religiously every single day and after a while when people asked me what I wanted to do I said I wanted to be the next Alex Anderson and Somewhere along the line, I remember seeing quilting magazines and seeing people who, you know, they'd have book reviews or they'd have people who did color options. And I remember thinking, I want to do that. But I don't, I'm not, don't come from a journalism background. I didn't go to school for journalism. And I, I didn't know how I would make that leap into magazines. And it wasn't until 2008... I actually was approached by McAfee, who has antivirus. It was when the blog world was sort of exploding and the mommy bloggers were everywhere. And through a complete fluke, 
McAfee approached me and asked me to be their chief cybersecurity mom and write a blog every week about keeping your kids safe on the internet. And somehow I just started doing it. And uh, that lasted for five years. And at the end of the five years, I realized I could write. And I had made connections online and I knew a couple of people who worked on a magazine and then that magazine shuttered and they created an independent magazine that was called Generation Q Magazine. And luckily, Jake Finch knew that I had reached out to her and asked her who wrote the book reviews because I thought I could write book reviews for the magazines. That would be great. And she said, well, we do that in-house, but thank you. And the next thing I knew when they went to their first market, they asked me to come and help out in the booth. And she said I could bring resumes and hand them out and see if I could network. And in actuality, I think she was trying to see if I could form sentences in real life. Um, <laughs> and the rest is history. By the 24 hours later, I was working for the magazine and I was doing all of the book reviews and I was designing patterns for kids learning to sew. And that's how I got there. And I don't know how that happened, but it, other than sort of having a desire to do it, and taking one step at a time led me right there. Well, and you acquired all those skills. Like you, you did, and then you were able to take what you learned and apply it to yes. something that you love. And, and, and to else. me, that, that's key. <laughs> so I think it's tough when you're just getting started in something. You know, you do have to get those skills mm-hmm. down. you got to get the basics down and then, you know, take it to some place or take it to that place that you ultimately want to go to. Because um, I had, uh, you know, God, if anybody had told me, I would have ended up here, you know, working, uh, doing online, you know, quilting and sewing courses. I would have never seen that. I was in film school. I went, that's what I did. I wanted to be the next, you know, at the time, Quentin Tarantino. Which <laughs> <laughs> now I look back and I'm like, hmm, I think I dodged a bullet there. But um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, so I mean, but had I not gone to school, had I not gotten those basic skills of learning how to how to film, how to, you know, create videos and do all of that, I wouldn't have ended up here. So I think that's important is, is being able to do that. And I think I've told you guys this all the time. I feel so incredibly lucky to I, just to discover something that I didn't even know I loved, which was quilting and sewing, you know? And so it's opened up a whole new world for me. And so it's just that added bonus of, wow, I get to still work in film and video. And I also get to do this creative outlet that I didn't even know I had or wanted. So so out of film school, where did you go? Um, I actually went to go work. I went to school back east at uh, American University and knew some people that worked at Discovery Communications. So I got I worked for Animal Planet for like nine years. And it's so funny, though, because when you're in the film industry or you're in video, a lot of times you just go where the work is. And Mm -hmm. that's where the work was. So everybody was like, oh, you're an animal activist. And I'm like, I like animals, but I wouldn't say I'm an activist or I would, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. go full force. I became to really love animals through the work that I was doing. But after that, I went on to do hunting and video hunting videos for the and stream. Oh, wow. So, you know, you kind of go different. where... Yeah, it is. I, I always joked everything I was saving with Animal Planet, I killed with Field and Stream. Oh, but anyway, but you, you go where the work is. Yeah. And right. so this very just actually true. came together very nicely. Um, I had a friend who had worked, um, uh, you know, within the, the video world of online courses, and they were just looking for somebody. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could probably produce those. Although it's so funny, the company I went to, they did do other things besides that. Mm-hmm. And 
and the quilting videos intimidated me the most. I was like, oh gosh, I could Isn't never that do funny? that. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish I had gotten in this sooner because I would have been doing this so much longer. How about you, Lori? I want to know. <laughs> so I've done a million things through the course of my life, but I've always been a sewer. Like I can really honestly remember being five, six, and mom helping me make things. Um, but my career was never in that direction until um, I think it was like about 2003 and I took a sewing class at my local quilting store and when it was over I said to the district manager I want to do what those two educators do and Mm -hmm. she said I'll turn your name in they had a fashion show at the end of of this class and I had three things in the fashion show and they were pretty stunning I have to admit <laughs> of course they were and it was like within a couple of weeks uh, they called me and said we'd like you to come to training we we'd love to have you on board I never even filled out an app wow wow so what did you do for a living before that were you just were um, at that point in time, I was doing insurance. I was. I was oh, so <laughs> funny! Wow. But I've I've done lots of things. Me, you too. Know, uh, Me too. Lots of things. I did real estate. I was a receptionist. Yes. <laughs> yes. T- taught school. Uh, lots and lots and lots of things. Was a farm wife and drove mm-hmm. tractors and helped with harvest and nice. all I sorts of that. fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and from that job, the job where I was working as an educator for a sewing machine company, that opened the door to the job I have now. And and there are still days that I wake up and I say, I can't believe somebody pays me to do this. <laughs> I get to do yeah. all this fun stuff with quilts and sewing, and they pay me. Right. <laughs> I, I feel that too. There are just days where I wonder where did how did I learn this? I mean, yeah. how did I learn how to put together a whole magazine? And I mean, of course, it's a whole team. Oh yeah. But just even the planning, or now I can actually visualize a story and think about how many pages I want it to be. Where that took years for me to figure right. that out. But yeah, amazing. Well, thank you both so much. Thanks. This was such a fun show. It yes, was. I it agree. Was, it was It was kind of exciting and I think really interesting. So I hope that all of our listeners enjoyed it as much as we did. For sure. Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today on our show notes page quiltingcompany.com slash quiltpodcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to tell your friends. And thanks for listening. Happy quilting. The Quilting Company Podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney, and our executive producer of podcast is Jared Mayer.